this is it. Kickoff is happening tonight for the NFL. It doesn't get any better than this. And to celebrate the special occasion on the PFF Betting Podcast, we have brought in Kevin Cole joining us as he will be doing each Thursday and Monday to go over what he has kind of seen in the showdown slates on DraftKings and FanDuel. I know Kevin's had a really busy offseason, wrote a really great article on DraftKings showdown strategy today. Kevin, how has your offseason been? And are you kind of ready for NFL football to kick off here tonight? Yeah, I am ready. But at the same time, there is something beautiful about the off season where all your predictions have not been proven wrong and there's hope abound for the, you know, UDFA prospect who you think is going to be, be a big success or the quarterback you think is going to make a leap or the defense you think is going to come together. And then it all comes crashing down this week. Yep. I mean, that is basically it, right? And you are kind of, you know, a little bit pessimistic, which I think is good. I am also a pessimistic, even, you know, person and a fan. So I kind of like the, you know, optimism that can just run supreme in the offseason. And then, yeah. you know, you get smacked that down back down to reality relatively quickly once the season starts. But we are here. I, I kind of want to see, you know, what stands the test of time, what actually doesn't at this point in time. Um, but we will see. What do you, what are you kind of seeing as you're moving into, um, some of these new slates for 2021. I know you did a lot of research looking back on both 2019 and 2020 showdown contests. What were kind of the main uh, pieces of information that you think are still going to be worthwhile as we approach this 2021 season? Yeah, I mean, I think for any particular slate, and I'm going to do an analysis on all these different island game slates, for any particular slate, you're really going to care most about the dynamics within that slate. But what I like to do, and which I think is, is helpful, is to have an overall macro view of what are, where base rates are, where there are potentials just generally to gain leverage. And it doesn't mean that if you find that X position type is generally undervalued that you should just play that on every single showdown slate, but it gives you some context for, for how you can do this. So just, just to quickly go over some of the methodology here, I just collect the largest contest information from the largest contest for each of these showdown slates. Now showdown has expanded even beyond the Island games. There is a showdown slate on almost every single game on Sundays now. So we have over 150 different slates here. So not, you know, the 260 something games that there are in NFL season, but still 150 different slates is quite a bit. And I think there are lots of different takeaways here, but some ones that persisted from 2019 to 2020, I think are probably the most important. And those are maybe I'll say mostly things at the quarterback position. Uh, most importantly, that using the quarterback within the captain slot seems to be a poor strategy. It seems to be that on a higher percentage basis by about 5% higher, the overall field is rostering a quarterback, a starting quarterback as the captain versus how often that ends up being the optimal winning lineup. Um, so that's one thing, but then on the flip side, when it comes to the flex positions, another thing that's persisted from 2019 to 2020 is using the quarterback in both, uh, both of those quarterbacks in flex spots at the same time. It's something that a lot of people don't like to do. They like to maybe skew their bets towards one team versus another, but the reality is those guys score so many points that having them in there and then not having to pay up for those captain prices really gives you such a high floor for your team value that that still seems to be a profitable strategy. So those are just a, a couple of things you can look at more in my primer that you can get information from. So th those are a couple of different things you can look at and say, generally you think about that as you're making lineups and as you're seeing a particularly popular quarterback, who's a lot of people are going to have as a, in the captain spot, maybe you could look to fade them a bit. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, and like, I do think there is an element of in that captain spot, how much more it's going to cost your DFS salary to actually have either one of those quarterbacks in, right? Because yeah. they're consistently the two highest priced players on this on the slate. And it might be not so much that, you know, people like to kind of run this, this idea of stacks, right? So they want to, you know, quarterback in the captain spot and then have as many of his pass catches or something in the flex spots. And I do think um, what you kind of pointed out to me and thought, you know, like what I thought the really unique takeaway was that, you know, it's almost a shift in strategy or thinking where your goal is to almost get both quarterbacks in the flex spot, mm-hmm. uh, the wide receiver or pass catcher that kind of is popping off or potentially outscores every other pass catcher in the game. Then you get the points from both quarterbacks, the points from him. And then there's kind of, you know, this other element. I know you talked about defense and other things in the, in the strategy a little bit, but there are almost things where you could still stack. It's just stacking uh, with the right pass catcher and quarterback and still getting that other quarterback back mainly because of like, do you think it's the floor that they offer or is it more of like um, a, you know, roster percentage versus the field actually just always going in the captain position with the quarterback position. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there is the the floor element. I think there's an element of in a lot of games, you know, a, sh- a shootout type of thing where you're going to, so if you have both of those in there, it ends up being profitable. Although you mentioned defenses and that's probably the one other really consistent year over year uh, trend that ends up playing out from last year too. And that is, you know, you're not going to want to roster both defenses, although, although that doesn't really happen that, that often. Um, but it is something that actually ended up being uh, a little bit of a value, but still it's something that only hits in an optimal lineup two and a half percent of the time versus people do it only 1% of the time, but just having one defense was something that was, that was an optimal strategy. I thought that maybe that was a little fluky for 2019 because so often that ended up being the Patriots defense, which seemed to just be destroying people on a weekly basis, but it persisted in in 2020. So I think that's also an interesting play is that, you know, don't, don't necessarily fade out a defense when you think it's going to be a shootout because, the defensive scoring, while it helps to have a low scoring game, it's really about turnovers. It's really about sacked. It's really about other things where if quarterbacks are dropping back a, a bunch of times, it's going to up the percentage chance that you're going to get a high defensive score. Um, even if it is a high scoring game. Yep. Yeah. That is really interesting. I mean, cause it is, you know, you are basically comparing the top scoring entry, the optimal line to what the entire field is doing for this particular tournament. So right. even in situations where there might be this almost idea of like a negative correlation or something within the game, I know we talk about that a lot and like, you know, the classic slate of DFS and those types of games where you're kind of looking for specific game stacks to optimize your lineup in certain ways. You almost want to maybe build in something that other people think is a negative correlation, just in case it happens, then the field isn't necessarily buying into it or playing it as much as they should be at that point in time. And like if a defense scores, you know, a touchdown or something, eight points, I do feel like any time a defense basically scores a touchdown, they're going to end up being at least an option in the flex position in that in that optimal lineup based on how cheap they're going to be, right? And how many other pieces you can fit. Do you see anything where it's like if the quarterbacks are over a certain salary or threshold or things like that, if there's like um, more inclination to fade them, if they're more expensive or if the, if, is it like the less expensive quarterbacks probably um, aren't necessarily as beneficial to play and don't end up. And that's when you see more of the defense, even two defense sort of things end up in the optimal lineup. I mean, what I've found generally and, Again, this isn't, this is somewhat anecdotal, but what, what I found is that people seem to be less price sensitive in these showdown slates than they are 
on a large DFS slate. I mean, it, the simple matter of fact is they're just like, what's the opportunity cost, right? So if you have a big, you know, slate of 13 NFL games, you have a lot of quarterbacks to choose from. You have a lot of running backs, a lot of wide receivers and so on and so forth. A lot of defenses to choose from. You have all of those different positions to choose from then you become very price aware of what you can end up fitting in because of opportunity cost. Whereas if you're on a single game slate and there's some player who is just smashing or has been to that point, people are going to want to fit that player in no matter what, or if there's a player who has been playing well, even at a low cost, people are going to completely fade them. So I, I think there's a lot of value in these showdown slates of bucking the trend and trying to zig where other people are zagging that sort of thing, because of the fact that people are not as price sensitive uh, when it comes, when it comes to pricing here. So uh, for often, for instance, you know, I say quarterbacks are poor uh, captain choices. When I do end up recommending quarterbacks for captain choices, it's almost always someone who has a lower salary who people just cannot stand. I remember I've done that for, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Goff or someone right. like that in the past, just because it, it doesn't really make sense that, you know, someone like Tom Brady uh, this Thursday is probably going to have an ownership of at least two and a half times someone, a quarterback who is not favored. And the reality is that there's just not that big of a spread between the upside of those two types of players. The NFL is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly. No matter what, take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard that right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same-game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code PFF to get you free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Fantasy football draft season is here, and we are offering 30% off any PFF subscription to all first-time subscribers with promo code KICKOFF30. For just $7, get access to PFF's Fantasy Football Draft Guide, player rankings and projections, all of PFF's locked article content, cheat seats for your fantasy draft, and so much more. Again, that's promo code KICKOFF30 for 30% off any PFF subscription. Get access to all of PFF's fantasy tools for just $7. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I do think, and it makes a ton of sense intuitively as well, right? Because, you know, when you're looking for, you know, the unidentified player on a classic slate with so many options, it's more just the ones that people aren't talking about, right? Mm -hmm. The people that are just going a little bit under the radar, whereas the opportunities in showdown are more so based on the negative sentiment or something that the entire industry is kind of feeling toward one particular player. So I do think that is really interesting takeaway. I do think it is, you know, a key differentiator in between those DFS contests that can happen. So, so I got to say with this game on Thursday night, uh, is this setting up as a situation where you maybe might not be involved with either quarterback uh, on the, from a showdown perspective, just based on the fact that they're going to be really highly rostered or um, is it still a spot where they're going to probably have such a good game that you're probably trying to get both of them in in that kind of flex optimal overall macro view of how you roster build yeah i mean i, I think you don't want to do the same thing for a bunch of different lineups if you're multi-entering but i think you're definitely going to want to have some um there are enough other players where 
especially for the flex value. I think there's going to still be value there because it is a matchup where we're talking about uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, CD lamb, uh, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. I mean, there's just a lot of players. So when you only have, you know, those five flex spots to fill up, uh, you're going to be filling it up with a lot of different pass catchers. And I do think there's going to be a tendency to someone to, to stack multiple, multiple options on one side of the equation. And then when you do that, then players start thinking, well, if I'm going to stack all these guys, maybe I'll put the quarterback in there as being the captain and stack a bunch of there. So I, I do think there can be some benefit on, on having both of those quarterbacks in if you, if you could fit them in. And it's much easier to do that. Obviously if one is both are flex, then one is a captain and one is a flex. Yep. Yeah. I do really like that. I do like that sub. So is there anybody uh, that you are kind of seeing pop up and maybe some of, the, some of the other models or other things that you're kind of looking at where you uh, think they could have a better than expected game based on, you know, where we have kind of their median projection at this point in time, maybe from both a uh, showdown play or a props perspective as well? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think the props have, have moved um, t- away from or, or towards, you could say a play that, that I liked, which is, which is bad, which even before this Chris Godwin, maybe he's injured, maybe he's not injured. He popped up on the injury report um, a few days ago, at least when I was looking at DraftKings for the, for the receiving yards prop, I think Antonio Brown, when he, I think it may have opened as low as 48 and a half, it was up to maybe 50 and a half or 52 and a half. And now the last time I checked earlier today, he was at 59 and a half along with Evans. And then Godwin was lower at 58 and a half now. But if you look at their, their salaries on showdown, at least if we're going to talk about their, their flex salaries here, we have, you know, uh, Evans at, 9,200, you have Godwin at 8,600, and then you have Antonio Brown down at 5,600. So Brown was led the team in yards per route run last season. He, the thing was he didn't run that many routes right. per game, even in the eight games that he was there, but he also was, I think top three in the NFL above a certain route threshold for targets per route run. So he's definitely someone who had these efficiency numbers. And I think the market, the props market has caught up to that. The question will be whether or not the ownership um, has caught up to that in showdown and whether he becomes a popular pick or not, I'm still thinking that he's going to end up being a value, but it'll be interesting to see whether or not people are on that in showdown. Yeah, definitely. I do like that quite a bit. I have been, you know, I think that's kind of the narrative that we've, started to see happen with Antonio Brown in the offseason. You know, people at first thought he was, you know, this number three receiver in an offense that had a number of really good weapons, uh, kind of digging into the numbers that we saw last year. Like you said, he ran, a, you know, a route basically on roughly like 60% of dropbacks when all three receivers were involved. He had a really high targets per route run share still. So um, I do kind of, you know, I do think that the offseason thing where he is kind of building a momentum and hype could carry forward a little bit uh, into the showdown slate. But I do, I do agree with you. I think the prop market Market, kind of aligning with that as well. And we haven't really seen a correction from like Tom Brady's passing yardage numbers as much as we've kind of seen Antonio Brown just rise up in receiving yards. So you usually think those things will kind of move together, but Tom Brady is kind of stuck to like a three, 305.5 uh, passing yards prop. So we'll see where that one actually ends up as well. That could be a little bit of a mispriced opportunity, but we will see. Is there any other final thoughts, words of wisdom that you can give out to the PFF betting podcast listeners, Kevin? Well, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting maybe just look, even looking at this game from from a betting perspective. I know that you know this has moved, it looks like, from six and a half up to eight. 
There's a pretty big spread here. Uh, maybe if you're part of the analytics defenses don't matter movement here, this could be a, a way where, you know, you have a lot of different outs potentially for the Cowboys to be undervalued in this either. If Dak's shoulder is hundred percent, they're, they're probably a little bit um, uh, undervalued here. If the Bucks defense isn't quite what people are thinking it's going to be this year, or if the Cowboys defense is a bit better than what people are thinking are going to be. I think those all give you an out to say, eight points is a lot because I was looking at, you know, spreads from last year and that's about in the top 15th percentile, as far as the largest spreads for games this year. So this is not really seen as being a competitive game, at least from that perspective. So I think it's probably a disconnect between some feelings and the market on this. And I don't know, uh, it could take a while for this. I think, I think there's definite blowout potential if this Cowboys defense cannot come together here, but maybe if you get an unexpected result, you can end up, end up getting a cover here. So I, I guess that would be the only way only thing I would think about from a betting perspective. Uh, but there's, like I said, there's more blowout potential here than some people may think. Yeah, definitely. And I like it. I honestly, um, I did get, you know, quite a bit of Tampa Bay when it, when, you know, it was obvious that Dak Prescott was potentially not back to hundred percent when those, that shoulder injury information kind of first came out. So sitting at six, six and a half, obviously crossed to seven. And I don't think it's really playable at all after seven and a half from Tampa Bay's perspective. I do think you could maybe do some sort of teaser or something like that. Maybe the tease the, that in the under, that in the over, if you think it's going to be a blowout or something like that, is another possibility as well. But it has been interesting live movement. I do agree with you. I do think Dallas could be um, probably better than what we expected from both a defensive perspective and Dak Prescott actually being uh, healthier than what people are giving him credit for with that shoulder surgery, at, their soldier, shoulder injury at this point in time. So I kind of buy into that narrative as well. We will see how it plays out. Thankfully, we have it coming up here very shortly. Uh, this from Ben Brown. This was Kevin Cole. We appreciate you guys listening to the PFF betting podcast.